Please be advised that the content in the Grave Tales podcast series is suitable for adults only. You're with Chris Adams and Helen Goltz for the Grave Tales the Series podcast. Today's podcast feature story is from Grave Tales Melbourne, Volume 1. I Aldous has one at 11. The story of Sam Knott. He was one of the best known faces on advertising billboards for more than a century and all for just being himself. You might know his face, but why? Why, Christopher? Why do we know his face? Well, because his face was all over every pub in Victoria and probably most of Australia. I must say, I don't know his face. It might be a generational thing or because it was Victorian because I can't say I knew him, but you know Sam not well. Here he was, a chappie leaning against a bar with a very large beer in his hand, big bushy beard, the old workman's trousers. He was a fellow who came out here from England, uh, from Devon, to the gold mining areas around Melbourne that we now know as Walhalla, the area in behind where Moe and Terrelgan and Morwell and all those places lie today. So what year was it and how old do you think Sam was? We're talking late 1880s, and Sam was probably in his 40s. Right, so... A bit hard to tell from the photo, because he's one of those blokes that probably always looked old. (laughs) A big bushy beard and the whole bit. He came over here probably to start again, maybe make his fortune. Yeah, I think that was in his um, thinking. He sort of worked his way around various places in that part of Victoria, Aberfeldy up on the um, Alpine Forest country. He worked for a pub there. After a while, he ended up at a place called McVeigh's Upper Yarra Hotel at Walsh's Creek. And this is where the story of of why Sam is kind of known to a lot of people started. The publican of the hotel where he worked, and this is uh, McVeigh's Upper Yarra Hotel, was a fellow by the name of Paddy McVeigh. Would he be Irish? Uh, Probably (laughs) could have been. He sounded Irish because with his wife he was regarded as the life and soul of a very lively establishment, frequented by everybody from, as the Argus newspaper wrote, bearded diggers in the fire dance and callow youths, Mm. men from most countries of the earth and soil-born Australian cattlemen down from the ranges, bronze timber men and careless, easygoing bushwalkers who could turn their hands at anything. Mm. So Sam clearly fitted well. Wasn't that a great description? You can see nearly every one of those. Yeah, you can. Soil-born. Cattlemen. (laughs) Yeah. So... It'll become clear as this story unfolds that uh, Sam wasn't averse to a jar or two of ale Mm. and, as an old mate of mine would have put it, rarely went unrefreshed. (laughs) So he came to arrangement with Paddy, the bloke who he was working for. (laughs) The way he should be paid is that he would get one pound a week and found. In other words, uh, a bed, a roof over his head and all his meals plus one pound a week. That's an interesting saying, and found. And found, yeah, that's oh, the, the way it. it was expressed. The one pound was introduced into the deal to cover what uh, Sam would drink in a week. Mm. So now he had a roof over his head, all his food, a bed to sleep in, and all his ale covered as well. So he was travelling pretty well. He's done all right for labour. Yeah. Mm. Um, he looked after the uh, the people coming to the hotel and their horses, of mm. course, which had to be cared for in those days mm. as well. So to this end, at the end of the first week, Paddy McVeigh presented Sam with a brand-new crisp one-pound note, <laughs> which Sam immediately returned to him as payment for the ale that he drank that week. Wow. 
And so this arrangement went on and on for over a year. Uh, Sam would get the, the note, the very same note, into his hand and he'd give it straight back to Paddy again, who kept it in a separate part of the till mm. so that it couldn't accidentally be given to someone else for some reason in change or something like that. What a great arrangement. Yeah, and this went on, as I said, the note having its brief circulation for over a year. <laughs> Touching two hands a week. Yeah. Now, with this very tidy arrangement between Sam and Paddy uh, having been going for some time, both sides of the arrangement seemed very happy. Uh, Sam was happy in his work and he took to having an ale or two perhaps a little bit earlier in the day than he might normally have had now that he had this uh, rather unique arrangement with Paddy. Something to give you a bit of fortitude. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) One day in 1906, while he was standing at the bar having his pre-lunch beer, a young man from the city who was armed with a camera approached him and remarked that even though it was before noon, Sam seemed to be enjoying his beer. To that, Sam replied with a line that that with some embellishment would live for a century or more. He Mm. said, I always has one at 11. (laughs) Carlton Brewery was a very advertising smart organisation. Whether this bloke worked for Carlton Breweries or whether uh, he took the photograph to them and said, look, what do you think about this for a campaign? Sam popped up on... The Carlton ads, wow, which okay. in those days were largely posters. Yeah. And I can remember seeing Sam as I was sitting in a train going through a station and there he was on the platform, uh, his photo up yeah. on the wall. So he was all over the place. So he's propped up against the bar with his 11 o'clock beer in his hand. Yep, he has. Mm. And there was a little addition to what he had said in the advertisements. He said he used to say, I always had one at 11. But when this came out on ads, it read, I always had one at 11. It's a habit that's got to be done because if I don't have one at 11, I always have 11 at one. (laughs) Very clever. (laughs) Very clever line. So this was the Carlton advertising that went well, well into the uh, the 60s and 70s. But this is a 1906 campaign. What clever marketers they were then. Yeah, it was very clever. I wonder if Sam ever signed a contract, ever got a dollar for it. Yeah, I don't know. No, probably not. Yeah, isn't it bizarre when you think about marketing campaigns that are tied up with, you know, so much ink and money these days? Well, it was so clever because, I mean, you ask yourself, why would they take a picture of Sam? Mm. And it was probably because... Uh, the last thing a customer saw before he went to buy a beer was probably a photo of Sam with mm. a very large beer in his hand. Mm. So triggers the, you know, what will I buy? And he was a relatable guy. He was, and that was the other thing. I yeah. mean, he was dressed the same as all the workers in the area, which were largely mines yeah. uh, and timber at that stage. Yeah. And so he was the identification thing again. Yeah. It wasn't uncommon in those years, and even later years, especially during the war years and depressions, for people to come along, offer services in, in return for a meal or a room or whatever, was it? Because your parents owned a corner store or a small store in a small country town, and they yeah. were often providing little meals and handouts, weren't they, in return for a bit of labour or just as a handout? It was something that the, the people we now call swaggies did. And they were largely the people who used to knock on the back door and ask, Mum, Mrs. Any work I can get to, you know, for a meal. in exchange for a meal. Mm. And that happened a lot. And that was in the 50s, 1950s. And that was in Haywood, was it? Yeah, down in the Western District in Victoria. Yeah. Because we had the shop at the front, people would, if it was closed, they'd go to just go to the back door. It was, mm. you know, just the done thing. And what would it be like, you know, sweeping, whatever, fence fixing, whatever was yeah. required in exchange for a meal or a bed for the night? Yeah, in our case, it was because everything used to arrive 
arrive for the shop from Melbourne by train, mm. it'd be going with Dad up to the station to load up what had arrived on that day's train mm. and then unload it in the big shed down the back again. Mm, so that was the sort of thing that they... they help out. Yeah, help out with. Okay, so, but this was a lot earlier with, with Sam. Yeah, and but this was a permanent arrangement. Yeah. I mean, he was an employee of the hotel. Mm. That was the arrangement that they came to. Mm, it's great. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> The picture of Sam lasted for a long time. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure whether it's still there even these days. It was a great advertising campaign. But most of that happened a long time after Sam had left us, unfortunately. Mm. So Uh, what became of Sam? How long did he stay with Paddy in the hotel? Well, he was still there when he had his last meal. And it was his last meal that killed him. Oh, okay. He was eating lunch, managed to get a bit of food stuck in his throat, and he died as a result of it. Mm, that's um, so frightening. Yeah, horrible, horrible mm. way uh, for that to happen. And again, here, the, the way stories are told in the old days take over. Mm. And we have numbers of versions of what happened mm. from this point on in relation to getting Sam happily on his way. But Sam's last days in the burial are just as comic as Sam's life or as let's just say have as much character as Sam's life do they not? They do and I mean there are as I said numbers of them one version is that Paddy McVeigh who owned the pub uh, had become pretty fond of old Sam they got on so well and he chipped in the wood from boxes um, in which provisions arrived at the hotel to make Sam a coffin. So picture it for a moment. This would have seen Sam sent on his way in a coffin carrying labels like Billy Tea or Herrings in Tomato Sauce or Stow Away from Pete. Oh, bless one. <laughs> all, all applicable, really. Yeah, ludicrous. Another version says that Paddy organised two locals, uh, George Stackpool and John McGinn, to cart the body to Warburton for but when the cortege uh, was on the way, somewhere not too far from the Westburn Hotel, the coffin fell off the dray and oh, smashed gosh. into pieces. Oh, Sam. Someone suggested that maybe Stuckpool and McGinn had had 11 at 11, <laughs> as Sam once spoke about, because they took the body into the hotel and propped it up against the bar. Oh, poor Sam. At which point one of the locals commented that it was the first time they'd seen Sam in a pub without a beer in his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently the coffin must have been patched up and the funeral cortege continued to the Westburn Cemetery. Yet another version says that Bill the Wagoner, a local carrier, was contracted to take the body to the cemetery, which he managed to do apparently without incident. And yet another one is that it was a rainy day and by the time that Stackpool and McGinn uh, got Sam to the cemetery, all the mourners had left. Mm. Um, It's a story that sort of makes sense because it may explain what happened next. Oh, no. Poor Sam. He's now at the cemetery and what happens now? Well, somewhere amongst all of this, a doctor must have seen Sam because there once was a death certificate, but it was destroyed in a fire in 1927, which also destroyed all the cemetery records. Okay. On Sam's death certificate, apparently, his religious denomination was listed as Church of England. And yet, while no one knows where he's buried in the cemetery, the popular feeling is that he's in the Catholic cemetery. Oh, my goodness. Buried with a mix. Which may have explained, yeah, why... He, well, he's never been found since. Exactly that, but yeah. more that um, that Stockpool and McGinn uh, may well uh, have had those <laughs> eleven at eleven. Uh, Stockpool, who was just a local, was listed as the funeral director, <laughs> so it was just a, a mess the whole thing. But despite all that, uh, Sam lived on for many many years in spirit yeah. rather than in body. 
Yeah. In spirit, in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> in ale. A curious little story. It's great, yeah. And good on him. What a character. I just can't believe, though, that, you know, he probably never signed a contract, never probably approved it, and probably never got a dollar, I wonder. And more than that, there's nothing to show of Sam's presence in the Upper Yarra Public Cemetery, as it's now called. It's had a few name changes over the years. First known as the Warburton, subsequently changed to West Warburton, then Westburn, and finally Upper Yarra. Nevertheless, you'll find the Upper Yarra Public Cemetery on the Warburton Highway at Westburn, and two kilometres further on, you'll find the Warburton Hotel. So the original pub at Paddy had, yep. is that the Warburton Hotel no, now? No, that's oh. gone. Uh, it burnt down in 1939. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, and anything that remains are now under the waters of the Upper Yarra Dam, so that's oh. well and truly gone. Wow. But at the Warburton Hotel, there was a rather wonderful carved statue immortalising Sam in timber. Mm. The pub's been called the Westburn Hotel, the Sam Knott Hotel, and now it's called the Warburton Hotel. But... Even after all that, sadly, uh, the management tell us it was stolen. No. Who's got Sam? Ring him back. There's only one place now you can go and have a beer with Sam, and that's inside uh, the Wolverton pub where there's a statue erected in his honour. Oh, bless. And you can see the poster in the National Archives. We got a copy of it, so it's in our Grave Tales Melbourne book. But if you have a look online, you might be able to find it as well because it's terrific. Yep, it is. It's a wonderful story about the way things were and the way that's lasted. If you have enjoyed today's episode of Grave Tales, please rate, review and subscribe by pressing the Follow Us button. If you would like to support our work, please buy a book at gravetales.com.au for yourself, a friend, a relative or a special occasion. You've been listening to a story from Grave Tales, the series, available in paperback, ebook and select titles on audiobook, music by Kai Engels. Check out our episodes on our Grave Tales YouTube channel or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram or on our website where we share this day in history from the grave.